Hello and welcome to Friendly Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. The guest for this episode is Brandon Wright, owner of Vancouver Island-based Barnacle Systems. Brandon talks about his entrepreneurial journey that's taken him all the way from international work on nuclear security systems and projects for the CIA to founding his own company that currently has product in 30 countries around the world. His business produces boat security systems and the software to support it. Our conversation starts now. My name is Brandon Wright. I'm the founder and CEO of Barnacle Systems, which means that I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm finance, I'm HR, I'm uh, sales, I'm marketing, uh, I'm part engineering, but uh, we've got a really great team here at Barnacle, so I, I don't have to wear as many hats anymore, which is great. Fantastic, man. And can you tell me a little bit about how the company started? I kind of went through your website, um, just sort of the founding a couple of years back, but if you could give me your own take on that. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is fairly unique. Uh, I used to develop uh, security and monitoring systems for royal palaces in the Middle East, uh, the borders of countries such as Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, had clients that included the NSA, the FBI, CIA. Um, and then in 2017, my personal sailboat broke moorage. Uh, and this was while I was a product manager developing forest fire monitoring equipment. And uh, I went to go buy a product that would allow me to monitor my boat from my smartphone, tablet, or computer. And unfortunately, there was nothing on the market for me at the time. But then fortunately, uh, that provided a large market opportunity, which uh, I quit my job within a couple of weeks and pursued. And that brings us to today. Wow, that's crazy. And so could you jump into your background a little bit? I mean, that's very unusual. Or how did that happen? Yeah, so I'm an electrical engineer and a professional engineer here in British Columbia. I graduated in 2008 uh, from UVic. And yeah, I started by doing life safety systems. Uh, so developing integrated systems that would automatically detect uh, traffic accidents in California, for example. Um, the company got sold to FLIR, a big thermal camera, radar cam uh, company. And then uh, I decided that I wanted to find the corporate elevator as opposed to the corporate ladder. And uh, I basically found the person that I, I thought was working the hardest out of anyone and traveling to the most craziest places and just volunteered to do whatever he asked. Like if he wanted uh, support, just building a little like software application to test a surveillance vehicle, or he needed someone to stay behind and just like crimp wires. I'd do whatever just so that I could be his apprentice, basically. Uh, his nickname was Pops. Uh, his name's Steve Ware out of Arizona. But uh, he brought me to Abu Dhabi for my first big project where we developed a system to protect a nuclear power plant. Um, and then from there, it, things just escalated, developed a security system for the Hoover Dam, uh, for, oh man, uh, World Heritage Site in Qatar. And then it kind of escalated into like more of the CIA type stuff and then doing protection for US Air Force bases. But um, it really just went from being more of like an apprentice where I, I was an electrical engineer, of course, then uh, took over the projects as a project manager and program manager over the course of nearly 10 years. Wow, didn't expect that coming in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Um, from going back to your business, we had in a brief kind of email chat, you talked about a lot of your growth coming. Uh, I believe it was internationally. Can you speak to that a little bit and kind of what's maybe what's helped you stick out? Like, is there kind of limited competition or? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so right now uh, we have units that have been sold into over 30 countries and shipped all from here in Victoria. But um, our strategy was through the social media influencers. So getting onto the YouTube channels uh, that people are daydreaming, watching people sailing uh, around the world, which immediately, once you get into those types of marketing channels, uh, there's no borders. So for us, we were just getting orders from like Guam and uh, South Africa and Portugal, Spain, and down in the Caribbean, just all over the place. And that was really exciting. But um, then uh, we've really hyper-focused on exporting. So we've now got a global manufacturer's representative uh, that represents Barnacle through Europe uh, based in the United Kingdom. And then we also have distribution uh, down in South Africa now. Um, we're working on Australia. Um, We've got dealers all throughout the United States, down in uh, Puerto Rico, places like that. So we've really focused, uh, like, for example, like the boating industry in Canada is the same size as Florida's boating industry. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, for us, the market's fairly limited in Canada, but um, as well, too, when you mentioned the comp uh, competition, uh, we have a very strong security focus as well, uh, particularly because of my background in security and just the desire for security systems. I just know uh, how people need that kind of peace of mind. So we just found a niche within the market in uh, a specific price point that allowed us to be extremely competitive and uh, leverage my story and the stories of uh, our team members as well in order to be successful, not only here in Canada, but everywhere else. Wow. That's incredible. Um Go on your site. You've kind of got the government and commercial side listed. Yeah. Is that a new like? How has that part of your business evolved? Oh man! So that one, uh, it's kind of a. It was more of a frustrating story of how that started, but it's turned out to be a pretty sweetheart deal. But um, the whole reason we went into the government and industrial side was uh, my wife, daughter, and I. We took my Ford or our Ford Econoline van, which we've converted into a camper. And we drove it all the way from here down to San Diego. So we could do Disneyland, things like that. My daughter was four at the time, but um, it was one of those like guerrilla marketing tactics where I went to every single marine electronics shop between Seattle and San Diego, went in uh, into these shops and was like, hey, what do you recommend as a remote monitoring device or a remote security device? They were like, nothing. We have no confidence in those types of products. It was like, oh. <laughs> And it was primarily because the competition that existed prior to Barnacle really struggled with remote connectivity, uh, reliability, and it caused a lot of warranty claims for these marine electronics places. And so as I went shop to shop, I learned that confidence was the thing that was lacking in the remote monitoring space. So we thought, well, we need to build confidence in the market and we got to start from scratch because not only are we trying to build a market, we have to educate the market and provide that confidence. So that's where we just doubled down on our influencers, which those are like the big YouTube celebrities, things like that, so that we could get the confidence that they bring to the market. But we also knew that there's only so much uh, credibility that they could bring as well, because they could just be paid by us to say whatever we want is what we assume. So um, the other thing that we did was uh, I thought that it would be good to try and get into Coast Guard Industrial and say, if it's trusted on these boats, then it should be good enough for your catamaran or your powerboat or whatever. 
So I went and did a presentation uh, through ABCMI, which is the Association of British Columbia Marine Industries, which if you're in a growing market or you have a new product that you want to educate a market for, you really want to focus on getting the attention of your industry group, your representatives of that industry. And in our case, um, Alex Rubin and Leanne Collins of ABCMI allowed small medium enterprises to present to the Coast Guard, to the Navy, to all the big primes like uh, Babcock, uh, General Dynamics, Raytheon, all, the, all my old competitors basically. And so I got to do a 20 minute presentation where I promoted like we do remote security, remote monitoring, you can protect your boat from your smartphone, all this stuff. Turned out that a lot of these industrial boats have none of those capabilities built into them. So for our product for 1200 bucks, they could just slap a Barney or a Barnacle, <laughs> nickname Barney uh, internally, slap a Barney inside of a Coast Guard ship. And now automatically they have the ability to monitor their fire panel, their bilge panel, which is the pumps that pump water off the boat, your shore power, your batteries, all that stuff. And for them, like for the Coast Guard or for the Navy, for example, it's cheaper than the price of a bolt <laughs> on a lot of those boats. So. Um, that opened up that we have a pricing problem, of course, but uh, at the end of the day, our strategy with the government was really to just be able to say that we're trusted by those organizations. Therefore, the recreational customers can now trust us as well. But um, now we're on dozens of Coast Guard vessels. We're getting deployed across the entire fleet of uh, oil spill response boats here in British Columbia. Um, we're in ambulance boats. We're just across all these different industrial boats, which um, yeah, just opened up another market for us. And we've now partnered with distributors that focus solely on industrial and government. So uh, it, was a, it was an accident, but um, yeah, I'm just so grateful that we, we took that route and that it's worked. So at the end of the day, it was just being scrappy. And uh, we jumped into it uh, just thinking that it was a marketing strategy, but uh, it turned out to be much more than that. How great. Is there opportunities to take the product for other forms of asset management? Like to fall, have you thought about that, you know, trucks or is there, is that maybe a, a bit too, of a, too, uh, yeah, cloudy? So this is, this is certainly something that we talk about all the time, uh, because at a boat show, there's people that own RVs. They'll come by our booth, be like, Oh, can we put in our RV or our toy hauler or our remote cabin that's solar powered? Yeah, sure. And, uh, we went to one boat show, it was a Vancouver boat show, where I'd say that at least 20% of our sales went to RVs. And we don't market to RVs, but we're in tons of Mercedes Sprinter vans, tons of like $100,000 RVs or $200,000 or $300,000 or $400,000 RVs. Um, the RV market's 100 times the size of the boating market. But right now, we're really trying to win in the boating market so that we can bring our credibility from the boating market into the RV market because again, right now, there's a lack of confidence in these types of products in RVs. And the RV market is a lot louder than the boating market. So if you fail in RV, it's more of a public fail. If you fail in boating, you never really existed in the first place. So it's a really insulated and safe place to develop products. Um, but we really want to go into RV, like just jumping in full feet uh, with a proper strategy, a proper marketing plan maybe even a different brand. I don't quite know yet, but um, yeah, not many barnacles on RVs, but uh, maybe that'll just be part of our unique selling proposition. 
Yeah, no, no, I love that. I, yeah, I wrote down recreational vehicles. I kind of thought, huh, I wonder, but it, you, sometimes you just don't know what the competitive landscape is like. Yeah, and right now the competitive landscape in RVs is pretty minimal. Um, but again, it's it, a lot of the times it's people putting uh, like a smart home system onto an RV and then it just doesn't quite fit because you're not going to be able to monitor battery voltages through a smart home system, for example, where, whereas our system, you're monitoring your batteries, you could uh, monitor your GPS position, it has a camera, it supports wireless sensors for security. Um, so it kind of acts as everything. The only difference between an RV and a boat is the pump pumping water off doesn't really exist on an RV, so. Okay, no, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and to the, like more on the business side, um, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like as you're kind of building your career, did you have something kind of like, you know, I'd like to end up here, but I just wasn't quite sure maybe on the, on how I would get there? Um, kind of. So I, I always wanted to, be in charge of my time more than anything. Um, I went into electrical engineering because I wanted to become a neurosurgeon. I really wanted to become a doctor. That was my whole thing. So I, I went to electrical engineering thinking that I'd understand the human circuit a bit better. I'd understand the basics of electronics and communication. And then that would fast track me into medical school, which then I'd have a background in electronics, the whole thing. I thought I had it figured out. So uh, I started doing my co-ops as an electrical engineer um, to graduate from UVic, of course, and I just really enjoyed the work. And I found that I could still save lives by developing life safety systems and uh, security systems and things like that. So I thought, okay, well, it at least aligns with my personal mission. But um, prior to all that, I'd, I had a web design company called Coastal Web Design, where I was just making websites for people. Um, I... Even before that, I was really into skimboarding and I owned a website called skimbc.com, which was promoting local skimboarding manufacturers. It was posting pictures before Facebook. This is in 2005 or no, sorry, I started in 2001. Uh, so long before the Facebook and Twitter and all that and Instagram, um, even before WordPress existed where you could make a quick website. I had to develop my own content management system where you posted photos and people could have their own user accounts. People could buy skimboards off the website, but it was just another thing where I love skimboarding. I was young. I wanted to make more friends that weren't just in Comox where I grew up. And uh, yeah, it all, that was like my first taste of entrepreneurship where like I could pay for gas for my car and buy a car through the revenue that I made off of the website. But it all happened by accident more because I was a nerd and I loved making websites. I found out that people wanted to buy skimboards and they didn't know where to buy them from because it wasn't something that you'd go to like a, just a regular surf shop for. And so I just sold them online using like a very early uh, PayPal integration, things like that. Then, uh, yeah, and then that whole building that website led to people wanting me to build them websites that started up another company. And then, uh, yeah, the, then I just got too busy with being an electrical engineer, systems integrator, traveling the world. And um, just really focused on uh, doing that, making quite good money. And then, yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of stumbled into starting businesses more than purposefully thinking, okay, I want to build something and sell it. Uh, at this point, though, my objective since the beginning has been to develop something, if I was to be an entrepreneur, that was less of a service and more of a product. 
And uh, my internal lingo or my mantra or whatever you want to say was that I want to wake up every morning and see how much money I made while I was asleep. That was, uh, if I was to start a business, that's how I'd like to do it. And now I can do that because we sell all around the world and uh, we get orders from anywhere. So it was the same with the skimboarding stuff, but less so with the website stuff, because I literally was a service where I had to do the work in order to get paid. So that was kind of a learning along the way, but um, yeah, never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always kind of fell into it organically. That's great. That's very nice to see it just happened so naturally. Um, kind of, you touched on the Comox roots um, a little bit, Greater Victoria, Uvic. Can you talk about maybe some of the, the people on the island or maybe I would say the people or the organizations on the island that have kind of helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, Viatech, uh, the accelerator here in Victoria has been incredible to help get Barnacle started. So in 2017, um, I got accepted into the accelerator. I think I like pitched it to Rob Bennett, um, on like time equals zero, like day equals zero kind of thing. And then within a week I was in like, Oh man, like obviously it's a good enough idea to get in quickly. And then our mentor, Mark Grambart, like he's unbelievable. Like the guy's just been so helpful. Uh, so grateful to have him, but he's through Viatech. Uh, he's one of the entrepreneurs in residence. Um, so that's been incredible in terms of, uh, other associations. I mean, Oh, the ABCMI here locally, the uh, Association of BC Marine Industries, I just can't thank them enough for the support. Uh, they just help connect the dots within the marine industry. Um, Boating BC as well, uh, Don Pretty and, and that whole crew, um, that's more on the recreational side. They've just been excellent in helping support us and, and all that. And then even just like the publications like um, Douglas Magazine, uh, Pacific Yachting, uh, they've been great to us. So it, it's been a lot of the, the people that see like the scrappiness, the young startup type thing where they've really latched on. Um, the Chamber of Commerce has been great as well too. Um, yeah, those are the ones uh, off the top of my head and I feel like I'm gonna remember right after this. <laughs> I forgot something or someone really important, but, um, and of course the big one is my family and my wife for supporting me <laughs> through this whole thing. And uh, my daughter who's now six, uh, yeah, I couldn't do it without their support. That's for sure. Here on the professional development side, what do you do? Are you kind of a book reader? Are you taking different kind of online education things or? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Uh, oh man, I've, yeah, I've probably read like, a, I don't know, 70 or a hundred or so like business books. Cause I, like I'm an engineer. That's my mindset. Like it's very systematic, very visual, very like have to make prototypes and iterate and all that. But then when it comes to like finance, I'm like, oh, like it's just adding and subtracting, right? Turns out there's a lot more <laughs> with forecasting and all that. And for us, um, we're bootstrapped. We have no outside investment. So every day has, like every penny we put in has to make two pennies out kind of thing. It's very important. So our, all that's been very much just learning as I go type of thing. Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I love uh, NPR's How I Built This, um, just hearing the stories, hearing what's important to the founders. Um, yeah, and then having Viatech, honestly, like they had the product management training um, through there. They had a whole bunch of different training classes and then having a, a few mentors has been critical to me. Um, yeah, Mark Grambart being the primary one 
Um, I've got a gentleman out of uh, Vernon, who's a, a owner of several boat brands, who just helps uh, with mentorship once a quarter, things like that. But it's just really building the network, building that support group. I'm part of a young entrepreneurs um, support group uh, called Forum. Uh, where there's a person from New York, a person from San Francisco, a person from San Diego, and we all just meet once a month and we just talk about family, work, and uh, what the heck is it? Yeah, family, work, and personal. And you just give your rating one to 10 and everyone comes up with a topic that they want to talk about and then whoever's is most urgent that we talk about. So yeah, it's been kind of a, a mix of all kinds of things, but um, at the end of the day, I'm much more of a an interactive like extrovert type person that prefers to learn from other people's experiences and hear their stories and and that's how I've learned the best but I have absorbed an unlimited number of books it feels like as well too great no that's awesome uh last two best piece of personal advice that you've received the best piece of advice for that I've received has been um that it's not as bad as it seems <laughs> so it's one that you can, uh, you can really, like, it's pretty abstract, of course. But for me, it was always around the financials because I was always stressing about how much cash we had in the bank, of course. And at the end of the day, our product, uh, we don't rely on investors, as I mentioned. And we've survived because customers have bought the product. And we've done 20 iterations of the product in the first year in 2017 that got to a point where the product was starting to sell itself. So whenever we got low on cash, it was because we were building so much inventory to satisfy the demand. And so I just remember uh, Mark Grambar, our mentor, just said it's it something along the lines of like, it's not as bad as it seems kind of thing. Like you're going to be fine. You've got cash flow, you've got revenue, you've got customers and the payments are recurring on the software, things like that. So I always just got into these deep, dark, holes where I thought, oh man, like, I don't know where the next dollar is going to come from, but it's amazing how once you've built up a, a solid foundation, how the marketing and how your sales fund and all that stuff just keeps churning along and chugging along and, and going. And uh, yeah, it's just not as bad as it seems. <laughs> the thoughts that you have at two in the morning aren't normally reality. <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's great. And the last one for you, favorite restaurant uh, in Victoria. Oh man, that's a good question. You, you know what? It would, I don't even think it exists anymore now. I think that they might still have a food truck, but I'm not sure based on COVID, but the reef uh, was really my favorite, the Caribbean food. My wife, uh, she's originally from Trinidad and uh, she introduced me to a lot of different Trini food. And uh, yeah, so Trini to the bone and uh, the reef are two of my favorite restaurants and Trini to the bone's still around. But yeah, I just love Caribbean like spicy curry type food. <laughs> Anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to cover? Oh man. Uh, no, I think you nailed it. I mean, uh, yeah. If anyone wants to chat about boating or talk about cruising here in uh, the Gulf islands or, or anywhere in the world for that matter, uh, we've learned a lot about every type of boat. So if anyone wants to chat boats, we're here for you. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast.
We'll see you next week.